Well, good evening, everyone. Um, we continue on through the book of 1 John. And tonight, uh, I just think as we come to look at uh, the next passage in 1 John chapter 3 and verses uh, 11 to 24, it just strikes me that it is amazing that after so many uh, years, uh, thousands of years uh, um, of so-called human advancement, that we're still unclear of what it really means, what the true nature of love is. And perhaps it's because love is such a powerful force, don't you think? Uh, It's so powerful that we hardly know adequately um, how to describe it, how to talk about it. And there's no doubt that um, love has been the most written topic of all time. All you need is love. It must be love. Uh, In in, uh, poetry, in uh, television shows, in movies, and uh, the notion of of love just keeps popping up over and over again everywhere we look. In whatever way you and I define love, however we uh, might think about it, we find ourselves longing for love, don't we, if we're honest? We find ourselves longing to be loved. The words, I love you, are powerful words indeed. They're words that um, are just wonderful to hear. It makes us feel warm inside. It makes us feel like we're, uh, we really are loved. And, and it gives us a sense of being someone of, of worth when we experience love. It causes us to feel good about ourselves. Love's a, a dynamic and... Uh, when a parent brings up a, a child knowing that they are loved, it frees them up to, to not worry about their insecurities, but to feel confident in the love that their parents have given. And they, it sets them free to live life to the full. When we feel loved uh, deep inside, when we experience that love, it frees us up to live our lives for God. Love can set you free. The need for love is as basic as human life itself, something we all need. And now um, the question, that's an interesting question though to ask ourselves is, in this world, after so many years of us living, in a world where love is so desired, why isn't there more of it around Why isn't it that we experience love more? Why is it that people are hateful? Why is it that people hurt others? Why is it there's war? Why is it that our society seems so in desperate need of more love? And yet it produces the exact opposite. Even in the church, where love should abound, we find unloving people. Uh, In times when we would think love would flow naturally, we can find that it can be hard to love. And there seems to be a tension between love and hate, and love is a powerful force, and hate also can be the opposite powerful force. In fact, hate is the true enemy of love. 
and hatred can, can uh, really be used as a tool by the devil, especially in churches where love is to be. Love, on the other hand, is the goal, the call, the command for followers of Christ. People to love. To love is a true reflection of people who know God, who are in relationship with the living God who is love. And it's a powerful demonstration that God is at work in your life if you love. God is at work in this church if there's love. God is at work in the wider church if we love. As we open God's words tonight, we're going to be reminded of the priority to love. And uh, John's going to talk to us about what love is and what it isn't and how we can love one another. I think it's a, a desperate need for us today as Christians to learn more and more how to love one another. So let's look at 1 John. 1 John chapter 3 and verses 11 to 24. John writes, This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from life to death because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. John begins this passage and he says in verse 11 that God wants his followers to love one another. If you're a follower of Christ tonight, uh, th- this is what verse 11 is saying straight to you now. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And the writer was reminding those uh, in the church that this was a-, a command that Jesus had given them. 
They'd heard it right from the beginning. And, and when could we have heard that? I think time and time again in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you know, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, in, when, in John chapter 13, when Jesus had gathered his, his people around, his disciples around him, he said to them, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. And he said, by this, all, all the whole world, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love. Right from the very start, Jesus had taught them that they are to love one another. And this is what the church should be like, a place where people love. So we might say, well, well John, as you write this and as, as we, you speak to us as Christians, how is it that we're to love one another? How can that happen? And he goes on to give us an example of how not to love. He says, don't love like Cain. He's the opposite of what it means to love. Look what he says, that Cain killed his own brother because of hatred and rage that was in him. Uh, Verse 12, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Here, uh, clearly, the writer is giving us an example of what is the opposite of love, and it's hate. And he sees that Cain here was disappointed that his brother's sacrifice was accepted by God. And the anger and the hatred grew up right within him and boiled up so much that he killed his very own brother. He murdered him. And, and John, John goes on to say that, hey, you living in the world, you followers of Christ, you ones who uh, want to do what's righteous and right, don't be surprised if the world hates you like Cain hated Abel. Because those who do God's will and those who love and those who demonstrate obedience to to God through love, they will attract hatred from those who are the complete opposite. Love is a clear demonstration towards others of goodness and kindness. (laughs) Hatred is the opposite of a self-centred life that is saying, you haven't pleased me, you haven't met my needs, I haven't got what I want, so rage and anger comes. So how to love? How to love one another? Not like Cain. He's a bad example. But how do we love then? Well, in verse 16, he says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. As Cain killed his own brother because of hatred and rage, Jesus gave his own life for those who had sinned against him, who were his enemies, who were cut off from him. 
because he loved them. It's the complete opposite. One hatred led to killing. One love led to giving up his own life so that the others, that we could be saved and could come to know him. Now, it's staggering when we think about this kind of love that Jesus has in willing to lay down his life for us. See, God is love and he made us, he made humankind so that he could love us and have relationship with us. And right in Genesis, as the, the creation that he had made, as man and woman walked in the garden, there was beautiful relationship between God and man. It was just as God had planned it. Uh, they walked in the garden together and there was a, a oneness, a love amongst them that was, that was one that we have never known since. And God said to Adam and Eve, he said, you can eat of any, anything at all in this garden apart from this one tree. And Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. They willingly turned their back on him. They shook their fist at God and they said, oh, we're going our own way. We'll do our own thing. And like a beautiful vase that is smashed, this perfect world that God had made was broken. Sin had separated man from God. Right down the history of mankind, there has been just the evidence of people living their own way against God and doing their own thing. And God would not have it that way forever. So he sent his own son. He sent Jesus into the world to come and to live amongst those who had shaken their fist at God, who had done their own thing, who had turned their back on him, and he came and he walked this earth. And then he willingly laid down his life. He laid down his life for those who spat at him, for those who mocked him, for those who poured scorn on him, for those who beat him. Jesus, on the cross, cried out, I love you this much. I love you so much that nothing will stop me from getting to know you. From, from dying for you, from taking away the barriers that separate you from God. And he cried out on the cross of his love, unconditional for you and me. How are we to love one another? Well, this is how we know what love is, John says. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's love. And then he goes on to say, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What he's saying here is staggering. That as Christ died on the cross for our sins, as he gave himself up as an act of love to us, he calls us to give ourselves for one another, 
to live in a way that we are constantly giving of our lives, pouring of our lives out to each other, giving in love to one another, and if necessary, to give our own lives. This means that for us, we should be continually giving to one another. Fortunately, it seems that not many of us will have to die at this point for each other. It's not a requirement that I've had so far uh, in my life and it's not looking like it's coming too soon, but we never know what might be up ahead. But what John is saying in this, in this passage is he's saying that as Jesus Christ was willing to lay down his life for us so that we might know his love, we should continually live lives of love that are being poured out for one another and, if necessary, to die for one another. Wow. That's incredible. Are you willing to die for me? Am I willing to die for you? It's a challenge. What a depth of love that God calls for his people to have for one another, that we would lay down our lives. I wonder what that would look like. I wonder how that's worked out. How practically can we, can we do that? Well, John goes on and he talks about it negatively first. He says in verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? So firstly, he's saying that if you want to know how you're not showing this kind of love, then if there are people that are around you, fellow believers that are in the church who have needs and you're just not meeting them and you know about them and they're continually lacking material possessions and you're just ignoring them and overlooking them, then... The love of God's not in you. The love of God is not being demonstrated in your life. This is not talking about just a one-off time where you might miss and and just not realise that there were needs right there and you missed it. But the sense of that that is that if you continue uh, to see people in need and you show no pity on them and you continue to close your heart to them, then the love of God is not in you. I think this is the kind of thing that was talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verses 7 and 9. It says there, If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the Lord, of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor, poor brother. Rather be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Be careful not to harbour this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for cancelling debts is near so that you do not show ill will toward your needy brother and give him nothing. He may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Church, these are challenging words for us in a day where material possessions just seem to be highly prized and so important. 
when it seems that culture and society are uh, calling out to us, you need more, you must have more. To not have is to be you know, on the edges of society and not, not good. You must get, you must get more and more. And into this, John writes to the believers and to the church and he says, hey, you guys, if you close your hearts to people that are in material need, within the family, then the love of God is not in you. If you kind of show no pity towards them, if you ignore them, then it's questionable that God is at work in your life. Then puts it positively now. He says that we're not to love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. This is what we're to do. In verse 18, it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So instead of sitting back like we might be might in the previous example, where we see people's needs and we go, oh, we love you. Yeah, we love you. Hope it all sorts out for you. Yeah, you must be in really financial difficulty. Oh, boy, it must be hard not having stuff, but we'll pray for you. We love you. And just leaving them where they are. He's saying, no, no, instead of that, you must actually show your love in actions. Not just words saying we care for you, go well, God be with you, but instead showing it in physical ways, practical ways that we should do. I wonder about you. When was the last time uh, that you actually practically helped someone? I mean, what I'm talking about here is gave to somebody uh, something. Actually uh, helped them by giving them uh, some some money when they were in times of need or maybe provided a casserole or went round and gave someone a lift somewhere who didn't have a car or you know, helped someone with their homework when they were in trouble or spent time providing for them some food when they were in trouble. When, when was the last time you did that? Has there been times when you've been just saying nice things to people but not practically showing it in your life. It's a challenge. Because to be a follower of Christ and to love people is to see their need and to respond and help. Not grabbing our own things for ourselves, but being willing to part with it. What about uh, personally? What about as a church? Are we doing that as a church? Um, we've been having as a church often times when we'll have a specific offering um, in our times when we come around the communion table where we will give to people that are in, in need. Sometimes it goes to people in the wider Christian community. Sometimes it goes to people right in our church here that has helped them. And we're going to continue to do that. So whenever we have those special offerings that go directly to people in emergency need or help, you're actually fulfilling what this verse says. You are providing the means for us as a church, not just the individuals, but us as a church to care for those that have material needs. 
Um, I, I think it's wonderful when we hear and we think about the ways in which God continues to help those among us through our church. Uh, I've heard this week about um, someone anonymously receiving um, an envelope with $100 cash in it, just uh, saying, you're going on a trip? Thought this would help. Don't you love that? I love it. I think, isn't that great? Someone's been thinking that this person might have a need and has been helping. Some of the things I did just this week is is get some of our uh, cards that have been sent to the church just so that you can know some of the people that have been really helped by the way in which our church, which you are part of and which you continue to give as as you give to the church, enable us as a church to help one another. This is what someone wrote. Thank you for the hamper, for the load of water you gave us. So practical and very much appreciated. We thank God that we are part of such a generous and caring church family and we are blessed to be recipients of that generosity and love. God is so good. Someone else wrote on a card, many thanks to the Wodonga District Baptist Church for your kindness and for being sensitive to the needs of others. Thank you so much for the check that you gave us. Came in handy. To the Wodonga District Baptist Church, thanks for visiting me in hospital. The prayer support through the church with phone calls, visits, meals, ironing, etc. has been overwhelming. We thank and praise God for people like you in the church. This person writes about the way in which um, the, the prayer support and being able to talk to someone about what they needed in their time of care and how that was so helpful to them and how the talks, the visits, the phone calls, the meals from the church, cards that they received, in, including uh, ways in which um, people were able to help coordinate the care in their small group for them. And she says, this was all overwhelming. Then she writes, the special loving care shown to us and the love of God has meant more than words could ever express. God bless you, she writes. When we care for one another, when we give to one another in practical ways when we're in need, It just oozes love, the love of God. And the outworking is God is at work in our lives. God is at work in our church. God is at work. I think another way that this is seen, not just in our personal lives as we give uh, to people in the church, and I loved it this morning. I saw someone and I said, where are you going? And they said, off to give some of these Um, newsletters to people. I always take them off to people that haven't been here. Uh, Sometimes I I, I just love hearing when I've got to places that individuals in our church have already been before and helped visit and catch up. By the way, if you want to be on the meals list, uh, there's opportunity. One meal every three months is all you need to do. And uh, there's some vacancies right now. So that would be great. Just a practical way of demonstrating as part of our church's care of people. One meal every three months. If you want to do that, um, Gail would love to speak to you afterwards. I think in our personal level, in our, as a church, but you know what, I think it's even wider than that. 
Loving one another, it comes not only just to loving one another in our church, but it comes to loving other one another in other churches too. Uh, for me, a great passion of ours is to say that if we love Jesus and then we say that these people over here that love Jesus, we don't, we don't love them. I think John wouldn't have any of that and Jesus wouldn't either. You know, Jesus in John 17 says, my prayer is this, that they may be one as we are one. And, and God wants our churches to be united. And, uh, you, you know, I, I just loved it how last week Phil invited Chris Little to come and preach. And he, he handled God's word so well and he just encouraged us as a church. And he, you know, he shared so well with us and spurred us on. And I get excited when I see people from different churches loving one another and giving to one another. You know, I, I, love, uh, I, I love it because God is at work in their midst. So uh, I, I, I want to let you know that I'm on the same team as Faith City. I'm on the same team as the Church of Christ. I'm on the same team as the Lutherans. I'm on the same team as other churches in Wodonga because I'm trying to encourage people to come to know Christ just as other churches are as well. I love praying each week. I meet every Wednesday morning with people from the different churches, some different leaders down at the Churches of Christ. I love uh, meeting monthly with the Minister's Fellowship and praying with them for their churches as well. And I'm so excited about this Friday. We're going to make this public demonstration after the Good Friday service. Nine o'clock, our Good Friday service is, but at 11 o'clock, we're going to gather in the middle of Beechworth Road and we're going to gather with people from other churches and we're going to go through called the Stations of the Cross and just remembering the last moments of, last few days of Christ's life on earth and his death and his resurrection. And we'll be doing that together. And people will drive past and go, wow, who are all those people there? Oh, that's the church. Which church? Not just one church. There's a lot of churches. And I think Jesus will be saying, our prayers that they'll be one as we're one. I think he'll be pleased with that because he wants us to love one another. Other people who trust in Jesus are part of God's family. I just think we should be constantly encouraging them. So he says, help those that are in need. Open your hearts to them. And he says, don't just do it in, in, in words, but do it with actions. Show it practically. And then he says in verses 19 and 20, he sort of says, if you do that, then when you come to pray and when you come before God, your heart won't condemn you because you'll know that you've been loving people and you've been demonstrating uh, you know, the love of God to other people in your lives. And when you come before God, your conscience will be clean. And he, and he says, you know, we'll be able to say that. We'll be able to do that. And in verse 21, we say, dear, he says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything that we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, verse 23, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. You see, in verses 19 and 22, the author has warned his readers against 
succumbing to meanness of heart and he's encouraged them to practice generosity in the face of lacking of material needs amongst other Christians. And when they did this, he said that they would be obeying God's command to love and would be doing what pleases him and then their hearts would be open before God as they came to pray. And John makes now explicit what the command is what, 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 what the, the primary command that Jesus calls us to is. And it says in verse 23, and this is the command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he's commanded. God's fundamental command to you and I, to every single human being is this, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. God wants you to believe in Jesus Christ. You know, in uh, John chapter 6 and verse 29, when Jesus was asked by the crowd, what must, what must we do uh, to do the works God requires? And Jesus' response was, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. You know, to believe in his name is just the same as believing in the person. Believe in Jesus Christ. To believe in the name of Jesus is to give Jesus your total commitment, your total allegiance, your whole life. Uh, In John 8, 31, Jesus said, if you hold on to my teachings, if you obey me, then you are my disciples. In Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And this always involves doing what he commanded. And you know what his command is? To love one another. So believe in Jesus Christ and obey his command. And his command is to love one another. Without obedience, there can be no love. Without loving, there can be no obedience. So if you want to obey God, Start loving one another and love each other greatly and deeply. Love one another and you'll be obeying God's command. This, uh, if you do that, when you come before God in prayer, there won't be blocks because you'll be doing what he's asking you to do. You'll be obeying him. You'll have given your heart to Jesus. You'll be obeying him completely. And there won't be any blocks. Verse 24 says, those who obey his command live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. Uh, If we're obeying his commands, loving one another, then his spirit at work within us will confirm that we're his children and that we're following him. Do you know Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And we cry, Abba, Father. Those who obey God's command to love, to love one another, know and the spirit confirms that we are his children. Let's pray together that God would help us to love him in all that we do. Oh God, we're your people and here at this church tonight, 
we thank you that you have flooded our lives. We've put our trust in you, Lord Jesus. And we want to live our lives according to your will. And tonight we want to thank you, God, that you've demonstrated to us what it is to love in sending your son. And God, we pray that our lives would be ones that are just so clearly showing love to one another. God, that our church would be marked with an overwhelming love for one another. And God, that those that are in material need would be helped. Those that are hurting would be cared for. Those that are lonely would be loved. And God, we pray that as we continue to love one another, that our hearts would be open to you and that whatever we ask, we'll receive because we're doing your will and we're wanting your good things. God, we thank you for dying on the cross for us. And this week as we go, help us to love others in the way that you've loved us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.